0: May 1st 740 at night it's the twins birthday today I just finished up their birthday video a couple hours ago and sent it to them from cafe 153 on the way there I saw a car with 212 on it and made me smile and then when I came out from the coffee shop I was parked next to a white vehicle and the license plate was 955 and as I was just leaving I'd been sitting thinking about Laura I was working on some scripture stuff. And I was just thinking about how I'm feeling a little drained today. Today being my first day with no coffee and had the headaches all day. And I had asked the Lord to encourage me. You know, it's just so easy for the fireballs to come in when you're not feeling well. Went for an awesome prayer walk walk in from the prayer walk and it's amazing how the enemy can drag you into a fight like i'm not a guy who ever starts anything with anybody that i can think of it's always me getting drugged into something and then when i respond that's how the battle starts it's unbelievable how it happens walk in from the woods i don't even get a chance to go inside before my mom says come here mike i need to talk to you and then she starts going on in her typical fear-based approach of, you know, you're dying of skin cancer. You got to go get that looked at. I'm telling you. and just It's all drama- dramatic, all drama, all fear. And I can tell here I am out in the woods laying on my back on a bench looking up at the sky and the leaves and praising God and thanking him. And And my mom the whole time is under assault from the enemy. And, and as soon as I get back, she lets me have all her fear and guilt and anxiety and all that stuff. And I'm just like, she goes, you're so selfish. What do you think is going to happen to us if, if you were to get cancer and we have to pay and da-da-da-da? You're only thinking yourself. And I said, no, mom, listen who's talking. You're only thinking about you. Yeah, I don't need you to put me on life support. And I said, you know, you act like God doesn't know what's going on in the universe. And... I said, I'm sorry, I don't live in fear. This is exactly what I said. I am not living in the fear that you're living in. You you get anxious about everything. I said, Mom, according to you, I should be in jail right now. I should be 30 pounds heavier. My arms should have fallen off from skin cancer. This should have happened. This should have happened. That should have happened. Oh, you're being dramatic. I'm like, no, Mom, I'm not being dramatic. I have probably no less than 100 recordings over the last three years of all the times you've come to me with stuff like this. I don't live like that. Sorry. I'm not saying I won't go to a doctor and get help if I need it, but I don't live under that fear that you live under. And it just frustrates the heck out of me to see my mom live. She, she has such anxiety about everything. Everything's dramatic. If the dog's looking and sniffing in a corner, that's dramatic. <gasps> what, what? What are we doing? If there's a pillow out of place, if there's a, a mark on the car, if there's anything, it's so dramatic. It's obnoxious. I mean, it's just everything is just so got to be in perfect place. Everything has to be predictable. Everything has to be planned. And it's, I mean, I'm surprised my mom hasn't died of a heart attack yet. I'm really surprised of all the worrying that this woman does. It's ridiculous. And so anyhow, I just went in my room, got on my knees, said, Father, you see it all. Lord, if I need to go get something taken care of, I know you'll direct me. The Bible says that the Lord knows every hair on my head. Well, that means he knows every skin cancer cell in my body. Man, I have been seeing 7-Eleven so much recently. I've just seen 7-Eleven twice in the last five minutes on car license plates. I've seen it a lot. This is, which of you fathers, if his son asks for a fish, would give him a snake? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? I feel like God's telling me my good gifts are just around the corner. I hope so, because I've sure been asking for them. But... Anyhow, I just gave it to the Lord and said, Lord, I trust you if you need me to go to the doctor, you know I'll go. But um, anyhow, with all of that, just me having such a, a, a non-coffee kind of a downer day a little bit, those things come in. But, you know, I'm able to just walk away from them and they don't have near the impact that they used to. I'm even able to say, see you, Mom. Bye, Mom. You want a sandwich, Mom? And without carrying the fence. Because I know as a parent she cares. But it's just so as the as the psalmist regularly says it makes them indignant and it makes them so mad to see people that do not fear the Lord and don't obey the Lord's precept and that's what I see when I see a woman who does not she claims to have all this faith and love for God and yet does not have the first red scent of faith and trust in God it's if it makes me this aggravated I can't imagine what it makes the father feel this is why the psalm says The Lord is indignant every day. I mean, I can't even imagine how crazy it must drive the Lord to see people not even care a lick about trusting Him. Yeah, they believe He exists, but they don't trust Him. And then for people like me that don't live in panic, that just trust God, it just drives people insane. God is so... He is so unbelievably awesome. I have had you know kind of a heavy blow yesterday uh, from my mom where we've got that tense feeling back again where faith and fear cannot coexist and my mom lives and manages her life and motivated by fear cannot mix with my life being founded on and motivated by and driven by faith and I look at just the constant clash and it's like you know what do you do you, you can't do anything you can't try and argue with the person you can't try to explain to them they are convinced in their mind just like i'm convinced in my mind so here's this is a really interesting interesting point that i've just stumbled on here two people having a conversation Both of them are absolutely convinced in their mind that they are the one that is right. So my mom thinks that I am a person that has a mental illness. And she thinks that because I have this faith in God, this really strong and to her radical faith, but to people that know the Lord, it's not radical and it's not strong at all. But to her, because she lives with her own resources... And she lives at her own will and out of her own self-determination to see somebody who waits for the Lord and says, God will take care of this, looks like insanity to that person. And I understand that because it hasn't been all that long ago where I was living according to, you know, make it happen yourself. And if anybody told me they were sitting around waiting on the Lord, I'd say, well, dude, you better get to work. The Lord helps those that help themselves. I mean, I would have been one of those people. So I've been asking God to give me compassion for the weakness in others, remembering that I had this weakness. So here's two people. My mom is absolutely convinced that I'm wrong and that I'm misguided. And of course, I'm absolutely convinced that she is not seeing the truth, that she is completely in the dark and she's operating totally against God in what she's doing, that she is one of those the Bible would consider to be wicked through unbelief and has no faith in God other than he exists and that we're supposed to believe in him I mean that is ridiculous I'm not just saying that about my mom that's ridiculous faith to just say well he's out there somewhere and I believe in him so I get to go to heaven no it's faith that you see in your life where God is working in your life and he's willing and able to work in your life because you have faith and you trust him and you see faith in your everyday life walk. You have to take risks. You have to walk in the dark. You have to be, you know, able to deal with uncertainty. And so who's right? You know, my mom would say, well, no, Michael just doesn't listen to anybody. He just doesn't listen to anybody. He's convinced that his way is the only way. He won't take advice from his elders. He won't listen to any advice. He's violating biblical principles. He doesn't have somebody in his life to get counsel from. And she would just go on and on and on and on and on about that. And again, she's convinced So how do you know who's right and who's wrong? The Bible again makes this very clear. And you shall know them by their fruit. There it is. Whenever two people are arguing about anything, particularly godly stuff, how do you know who's right? How do you know which belief system is right? You measure it by the fruit, the fruit of peace, of joy, of love, of patience. Of contentment of fulfillment of peace if a person doesn't have that and when you look at my mom my mom is driven by anxiety and fear I can't tell you how many times I've watched my stepfather walk out of the room rolling his eyes or rolling his head because he he doesn't say anything but he just goes it must drive him insane to see my mom constantly live with this fear and this panic and this anxiety the Bible says that's a sin the Bible says you, you're, you're disobeying God when you live in panic and fear. If you look up the words, do not be afraid in the Bible, it comes up so many times you don't have time this week to read them all. And the idea is, is that if you live in fear and you live in anxiety, you do not trust God and that makes God angry. So what is the fruit? When you see a f- fruit in a person's life of peace and contentment and joy fulfillment i mean you see these things in my life you look at my mom's life her whole, her whole happiness and well-being is all dependent upon how well her life circumstances are going she's a phone call away from having her world turned upside down it could be a doctor's call, her sister's dog that's eating wires. It could be so-and-so's gone in the hospital, so-and-so's about to die, so-and-so, whatever, whatever. She's always just a phone call away from having her whole world turned upside down. And it doesn't even have to be big things. It could be, you know, the garden hose guy coming or the the, the sprinkler guy coming, and Bob forgot to tell him, you know, where to put the sprinkler heads, and that sends mom off into a complete panic. So you ask yourself. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And you will know them by their fruit. So, this is just an interesting thing that that I've just been thinking about. I've obviously said this many times to my parents. I've said, Mom, look at the fruit in your life and look at the fruit in my life. Well, your life doesn't work. You wouldn't be having a life without us. Yeah, but look at my peace. Well, that's because you don't have anything to take care of. That's because you don't have any re- responsibilities. She doesn't have any idea and she thinks I'm on vacation. She doesn't realize how what a, what a horror it has been to live with somebody of her level of anxiety and fear and panic and control and manipulation every day for the last three years. She doesn't have any idea because she just thinks that's normal. To her, that's just normal. She doesn't realize I'm here to be shaped and that God is using her willingness to be used by Satan. Because that's where fear and anxiety come from and a person who walks in that is participating in and believing in the lies of Satan. You're siding with Satan when you live in fear and you live in anxiety. You're saying, "I don't trust God, but I trust what the devil's saying." He's the author of lies, he's the author of fear. And so you when you live that way, you're saying, "I believe the devil." You're not saying it consciously, but that's what you're saying unconsciously, and that's what God sees you saying. You're participating in, you're in agreement with Satan when you live in fear and anxiety. Now, if you have a moment of fear, that's not you being in agreement with him unless you stay there. We're all going to have moments of fear. Oh, my God, help me. But then you turn to, oh, my God, you turn to God. You, you go back and you you grab a hold of God's Word. You profess your faith. You reaffirm your faith. You reaffirm God's promises. You pray. You ask Him to help you. You ask Him to refresh your spirit. You don't stay in the fear. If it's to be, it's up to me. i got to figure this out. I tell you, man, the greatest frustration of my life in the last three years has not been my ex-wife. It has been watching my mom see everything that I have gone through and see the kind of faith and see the kind of miracles and see the kind of things God has done fruit wise in my life. And for her to still, after all the conversations, after all the experiences, after all the talks, to see her still not able to trust God for anything. She's so frustrated with me because she she points out something on my body and says, oh, you need to go to the doctor and get that checked out. I mean, my arm should have already fallen off, according to my mom. I should be 30 pounds overweight. I should be dead by now. I should be in prison, according to my mom. And I can't even imagine all the other things that she has said out of fear and anxiety. So my indignation is not towards my mom. My indignation is towards her unbelief. It sickens me to watch a person that long. A a sinner, I totally get it. I totally get it. But to to call yourself a spirit-filled, tongue-speaking Christian and to live in the kind of fear and anxiety, this is my whole point of the people that I would meet in the charismatic church. They think they have the Spirit of God in them because they speak some babble that comes out of their lips or because they feel emotionally moved to tears when the song comes on or because they have other people who will hip-hip-hooray them. And yet, when it comes to living life, they check out. They don't live for God. They live for fear. They live for their own pleasures. They live for their own desires. They're, they're focused on them. My mom tried to say, you know, you're so selfish. All you're thinking about is you. Because she's afraid if I were to get cancer and die that it would cost her her savings because I wasn't willing to go to a, a doctor. That's what, that's what her first thoughts are. And she says, I'm selfish? And I said, no, mom, you're selfish. Think about what you're thinking about. You're thinking about your bottom line. That's why you're sitting here so afraid. It isn't because you love me. Your motivation isn't coming out of love. I didn't say this to her, but that's the truth. Her motivation isn't coming primarily out of love. Yes, I believe she loves me, but it does no good. She lives out of fear. And I'm going to tell you something. I feel bad for my mom. I'm not responsible for getting my mom to heaven. I pray for her every day, God open her stubborn, darkened eyes, Lord. Forgive her stubborn obstinance. I realize that God is using her in this point of my life to help shape my character. But man, there's a hot, there's a hotter hell for those who called themselves a Christian and then didn't trust God for nothing. That's what the, that's why Jesus talks about it would have been better for you to be completely cold or hot. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I mean, that's not a good thing. So the other point I wanted to make about this recording is, is that when this kind of thing happens, it affects my faith. It's a big blow and it can want to make you feel afraid. And that's exactly what happens every single time my mom has come to me and said, you're going to go to jail. 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 You know, you're never going to get to see your kids again. You're going to be 30 pounds overweight by the wintertime. You're going to have your arm cut off. You're going to end up dying of this. You're going to, my mom just always saying these kind of things to me. But I'm no superhuman. Sometimes those things can land a blow and you can walk away and have a little fear get on you. And I can see that's exactly what Satan does. Satan tries to use other people and their fear to throw arrows at you to get you out of fear. Because when you're in fear, you're no longer in faith. And when you're walking in fear, you're not able to please God. My mom is not able to please God in any way. Why? Why? Hebrews 11.6, it is impossible to please God without faith. Don't tell me you go to church on Sundays and get moved by the music. Don't tell me you can speak some blabber jab out of your mouth and you think you have the Spirit of Christ in you. You will know you have the Spirit of Christ in you when you hate evil, when you love God, when you are obedient, when you are filled with peace, when when you have indignation towards those who do not trust God. And you have indignation towards those who stay in sin in spite of the fact they've been told over and over again to get away from it. That's how you know you're you're a true follower of Christ. You're not willing to compromise on the truth and you will endure through all things empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not because you have these ecstatic experiences, somebody gives you a word of knowledge about your life, you blabber jabber, all this stuff. That is not what makes a spirit-filled Christian. And I'm just, you know, it just, I see this and I'm thinking so thankful for God continuing to open my eyes to these things so that I can explain them to other people. And I do understand living as a human, it is so easy to look at faith and go, man, that doesn't make any sense. Man, that just doesn't look like you're following the rules. I get it. I understand that. But again, I guess the final point I want to make is I got the call to come to the mountain today. God and I'm, I was just here yesterday, but I know the Lord wants to strengthen me. He wants to keep me strong because I'm weak right now. I don't have anything in my life that would make me strength, strong outside of Him. So from the big blow yesterday, He's going to call me up here. I come up here. I'll spend a lot of time in prayer and I'll come up filled up. But I also was thinking about telling my friend I'm having lunch today with about you know this whole nine one nine waiting for the Lord thing and. You know, the child support issue and all that. I get in the car, it's 919. The Literally, the second I get in the car, it's 919. I pulled in the parking lot here at the, the trail, it's 352.5. That's 525. Those are the two numbers that God uses to help me to stay put. I looked at the calendar this morning. My mom's calendar, May 31st. Michael moves out. Today's the second. I got 29 days. I have no idea where I'm going. I don't have the first penny to get there, and I'm not worried about it. My mom would say this is delusional, and that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to force me to have to deal with the consequences of trusting in God. And they're going to watch God show up and do something. And then I've told their mom, when God delivers me, you are going to feel ashamed for your solid years of unbelief. And mistrust in God. You had the opportunity to sit and watch God train up a child. And train a person. And you you chose to fight against it the entire time. Instead of participating in it. You fought against it every chance you got. And in the end I only ever became stronger. So I don't hold my mom in anger. I'm angry against her unbelief. That's what's. That's the truth. I get so angry at anybody's unbelief. When it's stubborn like this. Because I know what the blessings are of trusting God. And it makes me angry to think that people don't trust him. So anyhow, I'm up here on the mountain. I just wanted to capture this whole idea of how do you know when two people are arguing who's right and who's wrong? Look at the fruit. Is it godly fruit? Are there fruits of righteousness? And that doesn't mean somebody's throwing money at something every once in a while because they feel guilty. That doesn't mean somebody goes and visits somebody. Are they doing what God tells them to do? they evidence in their life that their faith has ever cost them anything significant. Is their life surrendered to God? Do they panic at the first sight of a phone call or bad news or whatever? That is not evidence that a person knows God. I think I'm having the personal revelation and a better understanding that your weaknesses never become stronger. As it relates to God's ways, Christianity, the Christian walk, and walking in the Spirit. When we say, I'm stronger in this, we're not stronger. The flesh does not get stronger. It does not ever cooperate with the Spirit. What gets stronger is the part of us that we yield to Him. Our weaknesses become strength when we yield them to Him. I was just pulling out of my driveway and realizing how, when I leave the house now, I always am praying, asking God to strengthen me, and I pray all the time, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I saw 11:11 today, and that typically means I'm going to run into a woman, probably either like a Nicole or, you know, um, Jill, or just some woman that may want to potentially, you know pursue me whatever the point is god warns me and i don't ever say oh i'm strong now i I used to say that and that's what got me into such huge problems and i don't say that now now i find myself every day i depend upon god sometimes multiple times a day before i walk into a place i'll say god strengthen me lord let me be thoughtful and mindful of you and everything i do and say as i walk into this group of people father prevent anybody that wants to do me harm from doing me harm, keep me, keep them away from me, strengthen me, protect me, help me to represent you well, help me to be secure in who I am and you. And then, when I leave that meeting, somebody might conclude, "Wow, Mike's really gotten strong in this way." You know, um, in the area of sexual temptations or whatever, I'm not getting stronger. It's the Father, the Spirit of Christ, getting stronger in me as I yield my weakness to Him. This is such a, such a revelation in words to me to understand this, that you stay always dependent upon the Lord. Christ's strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul warns, be careful when you think you're standing strong lest you fall. So we're not supposed to ever think we're strong. We're not supposed to ever think we're standing strong. We're supposed to always be fearful and weak and humble before God. Why? Because it causes us to have a relationship with Him. God is God. We're not. And He made it this way. And He wants us to be dependent upon Him. He wants us to be needy. Exact opposite of what we teach in the world. We teach, oh, he's so needy, she's so needy. You know what? God loves a needy person. Look at the widow who's needy and puts her hope in God day and night. The psalmists are poor and needy. That's why God works with those of us that stay needy. That's what I'm trying to cultivate as an attitude of humility. Oh God. So I was pulling out of the car, driveway. And I was praying about Laura and I said God I reaffirm and, and incidentally as I'm sharing this message I'm pulling up behind a white truck 021237 a city truck 212 and I was just praying I love that when that happens God almighty I love that 212 anyhow it's a city of Huntsville truck 021237 So I was actually praying about Laura and I said, God, protect her from suitors, protect her from other men, protect her from friends that don't have her best interests in mind, protect her from anything that would take her away from being godly. I know she'll probably be at low mill tonight. I'm not going. And so I'm always depending upon the Father, even for her in my absence, just asking God to protect her. And I'm asking God, Father, I'm going out to lunch today. Protect me from anything that would take me away from your will for my life and your plan or anybody And I'm realizing I never get stronger. I'm not getting stronger. He is getting stronger in me. I'm headed up on the trail and I just want to record a quick message. I'm thinking about um, the importance of God's Word and reading it every single day and not just five minutes worth. I ran into two kind of old friends today at Starbucks, George, patent an attorney and Jeremy. And um, these are guys who, at one time were starting to get more warm for God in their relationship, um, and I was encouraging in them in that. Um, and I think for a season, God used me to kind of kind of maybe nudge them in a more north direction towards him. And I haven't been to that Starbucks in a long time, and I haven't seen the guys. And Anyhow, I saw both of them today. And um, I can just tell both of them, and I talked to both of them, where God has been kind of edged to the side because of a busy life. I talked to George, and George said, you know, family stuff and work stuff and all that. And it's always those things that, that we want to say, well, that's justifiable. That's understandable. Somehow or another, it's so easy for us to justify being being busy with family matters and work matters because everybody prides themselves on that to begin with. But God doesn't look at that and bless it. And I, I started thinking to myself, I'm actually getting ready to have a, phone call with another guy who's struggling and I, I guarantee you when I talk to him I'll ask him you know when's the last time you read the Word of God and it just it just it's just impossible to live the Christian life in this world without reading your Bible every single day because you you have to have your mind renewed. Every day when you turn on the news in the morning, the world is telling you and filling your heart that day with life is like this. And so, if you don't get life is like this from God, you're getting life is like this from the world and from Satan and from your flesh and from your circumstances just whatever. And you become a victim of the tyranny of the urgent. You have to have a spiritual discipline that says, I'm going to read the Word of God even when I don't feel like it. It's going to be top priority. It's, it's as important as taking heart medicine. Like if the doctors say, if I don't take this pill every day, I'm going to die. Reading the Word of God is that important. If you don't take that pill every day, you are going to die. The, Jesus himself said that man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I think to myself, here's, here's the final point I want to make. I think to myself... How much I need it. I have invested thousands and thousands of hours into my relationship with the Lord. I have invested thousands of hours of quiet time like this into my relationship with the Lord. And thousands of hours of reading. Literally thousands. In just the last four years. And I think to myself, I've seen some unbelievable things. I have an extraordinary relationship with God. And I think to myself... I can go one day, if I went one day, sometimes I can go a couple of hours and start feeling flat and I need to pick up the phone and read the word or, or whatever. And there's just times when I'll sit down like in the afternoon just to read the word like I did today and I can just feel my soul just drinking it in. So nourishing, so necessary and I can't live without it. And I think to myself, if I have this much time where I'm in full time kind of ministry, and all I have time right now for is studying, spending time with God and, and you know, doing this kind of stuff, how much more important is it for people that have regular jobs, regular old things going on in their life, they're busy to spend time in the Word of God, and how much less likely is it that they're going to have a successful walk with the Lord without it? How much more likely, rather? So, anyhow, I just wanted to think about that, that you, you, it's it's foundational. You can try to fix all the other problems, but if you're not in God's Word, all the other problems don't even matter. you got to get in God's Word first. As I'm walking down this hill, I've been meeting all kinds of people. I normally don't see a lot of people, and I've just been thinking about how people interact with one another. There's always just this kind of weird... Feeling when you run into somebody on the trail, like first of all, you don't know who they are. Are they a nice person? Are they a weird person? Are they safe? And there's a tendency for everybody to feel insecure. And I am—I've um, always felt that way too. So I usually try to <clears throat> to be over the top, you know, funny or kind of outgoing, in it and it kind of makes you know myself more comfortable, and I think other people too. But I've just been noticing how much more comfortable. I am when I meet people I've just become able to become so much more myself and just relax and it's just I'm able to think more clearly and I'm able to put the focus on helping the other person be comfortable and just being nice to them instead of worrying about me which is so wonderful um, and I started thinking that needs to be something that in part of this I, I keep being drawn to this idea of training ourselves to be godly The realization that you have to train yourself how to properly think and respond in numerous different sets of circumstances in life. These things that continue to come up. You don't just hear a message and then all of a sudden go, okay, I'm trained. You train yourself by hearing it over and over again and actually putting it into practice when that circumstance presents itself again. I was thinking a lot about training and one of the particular subjects I thought about is the subject of feeling insecure. So many people feel insecure and I started thinking to myself, one of the ways you... Overcome insecurity is by realizing that you're being lied to, you're being told in that moment that your value is not only coming from, but is being lessened by another human being who is made of dust. I mean, when when you think of that, when you you begin to realize that you are allowing your value to be determined and and allowing how you feel about your self-security being determined by another person who's made of dust, who most likely is a a sinful person, especially if they're judging you, that really just kind of changes the perspective and shows us how ridiculous it is. So how do you change this? You, You remind yourself, my value is not determined by a man or a woman made of dust. My value is determined by my father, the one who knit me together in my mother's womb and made me. I may not compare and add up in that person's eyes, but in my daddy's eyes, I add up. Big time. Because he made me and he doesn't make junk. And that's something that you would have to practice over and over again. And I realize as I'm, this is something I've struggled with for so long. I mean, when you are chased home and tormented for you know three plus years by bullies when you're a young child... You are taught subconsciously that every person could potentially be a threat and you always have to be in survival mode. You're always trying to do whatever it takes to please other people, to to read them, to know are they safe, are they not safe. That messes with you psychologically. There is no doubt about it. So I was just thinking about that, about how I'm becoming, with God's help, so much more secure. And this is something I want to train other people to be thinking about. I want to help people understand those things. I really could see myself wanting to get into some of these deeper things and using Scripture to help people. Another thought I thought about was evangelism thought. And that was just this idea of having a conversation with people and saying, okay, so let me ask you a question. Do you uh, agree with that? 90% of the people in the world that there is a God? Do you look around and see these unbelievable trees and mountains and life and the tides and the moon and the sun and animals and birds and babies and say, yes, there's a God? And they say, yes. The next question would be to say... Do you think God made us to be good or to be bad? Do you think he made us to do good or to do evil? Oh, I'm pretty sure he made us to do good, okay. Do we do good or do we do evil? Well, I think we do both. Okay, so you're saying we do evil, right? You do evil, okay. God didn't make us to do evil. He made us to do good. Is is there um, any part of you that... Thinks that when we do what God didn't make us to do, that there might be a consequence one day. Hmm, yeah, okay. Well, the Bible says the consequence occurred before you were even born. It says that you were born a sinner. And that sin is like mud. And God is prettier than Cinderella. And God cannot be in relationship with something that has chosen to roll in the mud. But God has a plan in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. God's justice demands payment, He demands restitution. It's as if you've stomped on God's toe. Imagine if I stomped on your toe and just kept on walking. That might injure our relationship. But if I put ice on it, rubbed your feet, told you how sorry I am, got you something cold to drink, I'm, sur- I'm saying I did something wrong and I'm trying to make restitution. We all have to make restitution with God. But the thing is, we stomped God's foot so hard and God is so perfect and that is so intolerable that God, we cannot make restitution. So God sent Jesus Christ to make restitution for us. It's the idea that I stomped on God's toe and His Son paid for it. Father, let me put you up in this easy chair. Let me put ice on that for you. Let me massage your feet. Let me put on your favorite program. Jesus Christ did that because God loved us so much and we are so far separated from God by our sin, God made a way to do the impossible by sending His Son and watching his son go through, his son paid the price, and paying that price satisfied our debtor. We owed God a huge debt, and Jesus Christ paid that debt for us. I just feel like the gospel is coming more and more alive to me. It's becoming more and more just like second nature. And I'm I'm learning better and better ways to try to help explain it to people, and I think that's a that's a good understanding. I need to massage that a little bit and come up with something that's pretty easy, so I can train other people to share the gospel. A hey teenager. Yeah. All right. So he, I had two really cool encounters happen this week. I need to start journaling these because I never really do, but it, it gives me so much joy, and I want to share this with you guys because. This is the stuff that we look forward to. This is the life, man, is when Jesus Christ shows up and produces fruit through us. That's why we're doing all this. It's not just to keep it in here, as we know. It's to take it out there. You and I had a lot of conversation about this recently, didn't we? And as I'm learning more and more how to do this, I want to share it with you guys so you can learn from how I feel and how God speaks to me about it and all that. So long story short, last week, I guess it was probably... I don't know, Friday or Saturday, I get the call to come up to the mountain. The Lord has a way of telling me, come up to the mountain. And I go a lot, but sometimes, specifically, He calls me. I get to the top. I'm 35-plus minutes into worship and prayer and thanking God. I'm at the very top of the trail. It's so beautiful. I decide to do what I never do, set up my phone and make a little video, you know, on the trail there. Just have a little thought in my head. I set the camera up on this little post in the middle of the woods, so I'm two miles from civilization, and all of a sudden, just as I get the first sentence out of my mouth, I look down the one trail, because I'm at a Y, and there's a person coming. And it's really, really weird if somebody walks up on you while you're talking to a video camera. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, I'll stop the camera. And this young guy comes walking up, and... I just started having a little conversation with him. Hey, man, how you doing? I said, isn't it beautiful out today? And started having a conversation and talking with him. And I kind of got him to stop. In other words, instead of just passing, hey, how you doing? I kind of got him to stop so we could talk for a second. And I brought God into the conversation by saying, you know, oh, yeah, I love coming up here. You know, I kind of come up here and pray and spend time talking to my Heavenly Father and just kind of getting away from all the rat race down there. I always Name drop that way. That's how I kind of because I don't know where this person's at. I don't know if they're a believer or a non believer or what. So, anyhow, I did that, and next thing I know, he, he starts talking about, Yeah, I come up here too. You know, I'm actually just kind of coming up to be by myself a little bit and been kind of stressed out about a couple of things. And I said, I said, Really? And and we started talking, and I said, um, He asked me where I went to church, and I told him, and I said, well, Where do you go to church? He told me where he goes to church. I said, How long have you been going? He said, Well, since I was a kid. He said, You know, my parents. I started going there, and then they divorced, and I stopped going for a while. And he says, I've now recently started going back. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm 20. He was a college student at UAH. And um, I said, you know, what's, what's been going on with you, man? What's, what's going on? I mean, you, are you doing okay? And he's like, yeah, man, I've just really been so stressed out about some things. And all of a sudden, just out of me comes these words that I just start sharing with him and encourage him and in, in his faith and just telling him about God and how he can trust God and keep his eyes on God and focus on God and God will help him with all these things. And at the end of whatever I'm saying, he goes, man, he goes, that is exactly what I needed to hear today. And I said, he said, Mike, I actually came up here, he said, because I I basically failed my finals. I'm I'm really just totally stressed out. He said, my girlfriend just broke up with me, and I'm not doing good. I'm really just hurting. And um, I said, man, can I pray for you? And so here it is, me and this 20-year-old kid. It's the most beautiful thing. I almost don't want to tell you guys about this kind of stuff, but I tell you this to encourage you so you know the kind of things that God can and desires to do through all of us. But here I am standing on the top of this mountain, nobody around, and I have my arm around this 20-year-old kid like he's my son. And I just feel God's love for this kid, and I'm just praying for him, praying for him. The kid is just blown away. He's just like, can't even believe what's just happened to him, you know, because it was a divine encounter. He went up to be encouraged, and he got more than he expected. I mean, that's just the truth. His daddy knew he needed to be met. So that happens And then he sends me this really cool email, Mike, so unbelievably cool. This exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you so much, da 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 And I got him signed up to the daily videos so he can, you know, learn more and and be encouraged. So that happened a couple days ago. Today, you guys leave. I get that tired feeling. I take a 30-minute nap. I get up. I got enough time to go for a run. Let me go for a run. So I get my shoes on, I head up, and I just did a quick run in the neighborhood. Go up the mountain, uh, up Chapman, uh, or whatever you call that, mountain gap road, down the side to f- the fire station and back. I get to the fire station, I turn around, I'm coming up, I look ahead, I see a street, and a car parked in the street. And I see this, this guy kind of walking up, and he's waiting <clears throat> at the sidewalk to, to walk in front of this car. And he, the person lets him go, he walks around. I notice he's wearing a jacket, and I'm like, man, it's warm outside. He's got on shorts, sandals, and socks. And he looks a little looks a little rough, like you know maybe somebody that does drugs or something like that from a far away. So I'm getting up there, and he's walking up, you know, on the sidewalk, and I don't want to spook him, so I'm running on the street. And at one point, I decide to jump over in front of him on a side, on a, a driveway, and I cut in front of him, and I intentionally try to look at him to give him eye contact and acknowledge him. I always do that. I always try to, you know, greet people. And he he's not looking at me. He's kind of looking down and to the right. And all of a sudden I just feel this empathy for this guy. I just something's wrong. He's going through something. And I keep on running. Now I've got to run up the hill, back up mountain gap. So as I'm running up the hill, my thoughts and feelings for this guy are building and building and building to where I can't stop this feeling and i'm thinking about him and man I wonder what he's going through and you know wonder what's happened to him and all that and i just keep thinking about this guy and i'm keep running and all of a sudden i feel like am i supposed to talk to this guy and i'm like nah i just got to keep running man guys the more i run the heavier my heart gets and i'm starting to go now i'm now i'm a half a mile from this guy i've been running from this guy for half a mile going he won't get out of my head. I'm like, Lord, what is going on? I start thinking to myself, am I supposed to just go back and just walk up to this guy and start talking to him, Lord? I mean, what, what do you want me to do? So I'm just keep running, and I'm thinking. Start to get up to the heavy, heavy part of the trail. My heart's racing. I'm like, all right, let me just take a stop here, cool up for a minute, and think about this. I stop. No, nah, this can't be the Lord. Man, I'm just making this up in my head. This is just me. Keep on going. So I start running again up the hill about another 50 yards stop, turn around, go talk to that guy. This guy is now half a mile away. I've just ran all the way to the top of the hill and the Lord's telling me, stop. But I'm like, this can't be the Lord. I got a Bible study I got to get to. What if I get in a long conversation with the guy and the guys are sitting waiting for me at the Bible study. And all of a sudden I'm hearing, this is more important. Go, I need you to go talk to this guy. And I'm like, that's it. So I stopped three times. On the third time, I was like, all right, I'm doing this. Turned around, I started running all the way back hill <laughs> go meet this guy. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Lord, what am I going to say to him? I get there. I take my sunglasses off so he can see my eyes immediately. I said, hey, man. He said, hey. I walked up to him and I said, brother, I said, man, you may think I'm an absolute idiot when I tell you what I'm getting ready to tell you. I said, I know this is going to sound weird. I said, by the way, my name's Mike. What's yours? He goes, my name's Daniel. He's got tattoos on him and he looks a little, you know, kind of Intrepid, or not intrepid, but a little standoffish, a little bit. I said, "Buddy, I said, either the Lord is speaking to me right now about you, or 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 something. I'm just nuts. You're gonna have to be the one to tell me." But I said, "Man, I tried to get up that hill. You know, I just ran past you about ten minutes ago." And I said, buddy, God stopped me three times in my tracks and told me to turn around and come back and talk to you that you're going through something painful and you're hurting. I said, man, am am I, am I wrong on this? Or is God really speaking to me? Are you going through by any chance? Are you going through something, you know, really painful? And he just totally, his shoulders went back and all of a sudden his eyes just kind of lit up and he's like, man, he goes, my, my girlfriend broke up with me and she won't have anything to do with me. And he said, I have two kids with her. And I said, when's the last time you got to see him? He says, I haven't been able to see him. He said, she's not letting me see him. So this guy is out walking because he's devastated. And I said, man, I said, where are you at in your faith? I said, do you have any faith in God, man? He said, well, I was baptized. And I said, good. And I said, well, I want to tell you, the father loves you, man. He loves you. I said, I could not make it up this hill. He stopped me and turned me around three times to come back and talk to you. And I said, can I pray for you? So right there on the side of my road, man, I just put my arm around this complete stranger. He's 31 years old. And I just start praying for this guy. And this guy looks like, He's completely wiped out. He can't even believe what's going on. I mean, it just wipes him out to to realize this. And I just tell him how much God loves him. Same thing. I can feel God's love for this guy. God wanting to encourage him. And I said, man, you won't know fully why we met until you remember this website. And I give him the website and I even test him as I'm leaving. What's the website again? You know, and I, I said, just for, remember, relentless heart, relentless heart. But he's like, man, thank you. And he just said, I'm just really struggling. And I said, well... God has got this. But man, isn't that cool? And I turned around and I said, bless you, brother. Gave him a five and ran up here. And that's why I'm late because I stopped and ran back to talk to that guy. But you never can tell what might happen in that guy's life or in that young man's life as a result of you and I stopping and taking the time to say something. Well, you, cut from you know, imagine, right on, right, imagine what, yeah, no telling. That's actually another thing I thought. I thought, what if that guy's taking his last walk before he's going to kill himself? You know, I really did. That was a thought that I had. And I, I've obviously this has happened before. But, man, I walk away from that, guys, if I can just be transparent with you and tell you that there's no amount of money, there's no amount of anything that can replace being used by God in such a small... It seems like, man, well, whoop de doo Dude, that's gigantic. The king of the universe directed my path. I had two, three different ways I could have ran. One was to go into the woods on a trail. Another one's my normal path. But, no, God had me go straight down towards the fire department guys and turn around and have this encounter with this guy when stuff like that happens you can ask yourself is everything okay in my life yeah you follow me is everything okay is god with me you know my circumstances may suck but is my father with me when he's doing that kind of stuff what's the answer yes that's what we live for i got woke up this morning at four thirty. it's uh may eighth, two 2014 and I got woke up by the dog at about 4.30. And then I couldn't go back to sleep. And when I woke up, I started thinking about, there's only a couple of weeks left till I'm supposed to go get the kids. I still don't have any money. And I just have these terrible thoughts about, you know, what happens if I can't go get the kids? And, you know, just all these thoughts. What happens if God doesn't come through for me? And that happens a lot in the morning time when I first wake up. So I just started saying, nope, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to believe. And I started thinking, you know, has God shown me a 555 in a while, you know, or a 511? And I just, I heard, I saw myself saying, I'm going to just believe. I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to keep trusting him that he's guiding me, that he knows all of this that's going on. Everything that I stand for stands for faith in God. I believe that I have heard from God and I believe that my life is lining up right with scripture. I believe that um, yesterday having this amazing thing happen where I meet this complete stranger on a street and God tells me, go back, talk to that guy. And he's going through something really hurting. And you know, just God is still using me. Satan is still trying to convince me that I'm lost, that I haven't heard from the Lord, that I'm in trouble, that I'm going to make an idiot out of myself. Um, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm supposed to be moving out of this house in 20 something days. I have no money. I have no idea where I'm going. And, God has kept me in absolute perfect peace. It's unbelievable. I'm able to live my life, do my work, help other people. I'm living completely immune to the fact that I have circumstances that are dire. It's incredible. My mom thinks it's mental illness. And the Bible says that he will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in him. I think that's Isaiah 27.3. I missed it by one, 26, three, Isaiah 26, three, you will keep in perfect peace. Him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So, um, this has been happening every single morning and I'm amazed that I've been able to come go this long without worrying and being all upset and trying to figure, I mean, it's been a full year and three months, I guess a year and yeah, a year and three months since I've had no money. I mean, less than $3,000 in, you know, 15, 16 months. And a lot less than that, actually. (laughs) But um, I turned around, I got up. I was like, I need to get up. I can see the sun coming up. I clicked my phone, it's 555. And I'm just, I took a picture of it, and I'm like, thank you, God. It's, it's, It's unbelievable because I'm getting down to the biggest consequences ever. I I don't think there's anything that's going to weigh more on me than if I have to tell my kids I can't see them this summer. That would be push my faith to the edge of disaster. I mean, I know God will carry me through it, but that would be the biggest thing that I've ever had to go through after not seeing them for Christmas and not seeing them for spring break. For me to have to to think I'm going to miss seeing my kids this summertime because God may continue to tell me to sit still, that terrifies me. I've told the Lord, God, I'm afraid of this. Lord, I am afraid of this. I'm, I want to see my kids. My kids need to see me. Lord, please do not. I've, I've already shown you twice that I'll put them on the altar. And Christmas and spring break, God, please let that be enough. Please give me a great summer with them. And um, man, I've been terrified to think about what in the world is going to happen to my kids if, if I had to call them and say, guys, I can't come get you. That would be too much for them. I mean, that would just be, with everything that their mom and their grandparents have been saying about me and all the horrible things, for me to have to do that would be such a huge blow. And I'm terrified of it. It scares me more than walking in a courtroom against their mom. It scares me more than anything that's scared me before, I think. And, and I've got more faith now than I've ever had. My, strong, my faith is so strong, I believe God can do anything. But I also believe that he asks us to do unbelievably hard, difficult, suffering things too. And so, you know, but I've just been believing, God, please, I've been praying every day, God, please provide the money, do a miracle, last minute. And I've been asking him to please do it soon so that I can pay the money I owe her. And so that I can let her know what my plans are. I, I just, as I want to do good to my enemy. I don't want to have to wait until the last minute and say, Oops, I'm sorry, I can't come get you. I mean, that's just rude in and of itself, you know, uh, to the to, to my ex-wife. Uh, I can't come get the kids. Now you've got to figure out what to do with them all summer. So, instead, I'm not worrying about it. I'm only worrying when I wake up in the morning and then every once in a while I'll just have a little, you know... Um, just a little moment where, uh, you know, those thoughts come in, but then I just continue to go back and say, nope. God, you delivered me in court. You brought me a free car. You've had people put $100 bills in my hands. You connect me to complete strangers who need to hear of your love for them. You do these amazing things where you tell me to come to the mountain. You speak to me. No, God, you're in control. And I'm not going to keep looking at the circumstances. This is, again, where my whole faith is all on the line. I owe $15,000 in child support. That makes me, in the eyes of anybody that would hear this, a complete, stupid, idiot, loser. And God has prevented me from working. It has cost me such humility and brokenness and uh, just total dependence upon God where I've shown Him beyond any shadow of a doubt and I've shown myself that I'm willing to obey God no matter what. That I'm willing to obey God no matter what. And by His grace, He has sustained me through this. It's It's been incredible. But I just really believe that God is going to do a miracle. I believe God is going to move upon somebody's heart. I believe God is working on somebody right now to move upon their heart to provide me finances. God continues to show me so often that Laura's going to be my wife. He continues to give me signals about that. He continues to tell me, you'll be blessed if you persevere. This morning I wake up to 5.55. And so I'm going to just keep trusting God. I'm going to keep trusting Him. I'm going to right now go sit down, look at the words that I have on my promise pages, profess God's word, get myself started again for another day to trust God. I just had another one of those really neat God moments happen where I was just walking out here to the sunroom, set my books down. I had to go to the bathroom, set my books down to get ready to study and all that stuff. And um, as I'm setting my books down, I realize, oh, I need to maybe do some cards on memorizing the scriptures today. I remember last night in the middle of the night or when I woke up this morning, I think thinking about, I really need to put more emphasis on memorizing the scriptures. God keeps telling me, you know, 701, do it, do it, do it. As I turned around, I walked up the steps and looked. It was 701. <laughs> I was just like, laugh. I laughed and said, Okay, Lord, okay, Lord, I hear you loud and clear. He's been so gracious with me to continue to remind me over and over and over. So, anyhow, I'm going to keep on doing it.